Welcome to the Therapeutic Food Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Marion Mitchell. I'm an integrative nutrition health coach, therapeutic diet expert, and founder of The Road to Living Whole. There are many different diets out there. It's hard to know which one is right for you with your chronic illness and autoimmune disease. In this podcast, I'm going to share with you the foundational pieces every single therapeutic diet out there shares, and also how to use the best one for your particular diagnosis. If you've been looking for a meal planning partner, help navigating the complicated healthcare system, and want to feel better quickly, I'm your girl. Grab your kombucha notebook, let's dive in. Welcome to today's episode. Joining me again is Dr. Michael Biamonte, and I'm so excited because we are diving deeper into pharmaceuticals and the role they play in nutrient depletion and how that impacts our health. Dr. Biamonte, thank you so much for coming on again. Can For those of us, for those who are maybe new to the podcast, can you give us an introduction on who you are and a little bit about your background? Yes, I'm a clinical nutritionist. I'm also a naturopath, and I'm one of the um, one of the people on the nutritional council board of the IAACN who writes the tests that the nutritionists take. So you have to be nice to me, otherwise I'm going <laughs> to give you really hard questions, and you you won't get your license. Yeah, so I really know what I'm doing, in other words, because I'm right. If I'm writing the test that the nutritionist takes, then they've got to figure I have to know what I'm doing. Yeah, awesome. So you are definitely well versed in the role that pharmaceuticals play in nutrient depletion. And I I don't think people really understand that this is what happens. Like they think that the medication just does whatever they say it's going to do and don't realize that there's this whole physiological domino effect that happens. So I would like for you to maybe walk us through. Just think about this. Think about this for a second. You put on television and a commercial comes on for a drug. And it sounds, after a while, it kind of sounds ridiculous. It sounds like Billy Joel, we didn't start the fire, going through all the symptoms and the side effects. You know, it can cause you, it can cause diarrhea, constipation, your hair to fall out, and they go on and on. And then with antidepressants, they even mention the fact you can get suicidal thoughts and it can make your depression worse. So, I mean, really, you got to say, what is this here? Right. And I think we're so used to those commercials and they kind of squeeze it all in and mumble through it. And we don't really think about it. We just think about the promise that the medication offers. Plus we kind of outsource our health and putting it into um, a medical professional's hands who does not know or does not study nutrition and just Mm -hmm. knows what the pharmaceutical companies are telling them and not, you know, they're really not studying the side effects of what happened. And we on this side of things know, and we're kind of on this battle of you know, do you really need this medication and do you really understand what it's doing to your health? Yes, I would agree. I would agree with that. You know, um, most people don't have a clue as to what's really going on. And what the scarier thing is, most doctors don't have a clue as to what's going on. Because as we were speaking earlier, doctor gives a person a medication, he goes on the medication, and then there's maybe a side effect to the medication. So the doctor then gives him another drug to try to handle the side effect of that medication. So now you got now he's on two drugs combined. Now 
most people, most doctors don't know what the effects of those two drugs, because you're making a new compound inside the, the person's body. So now he's on the two drugs. Now the person complains about another symptom. Then he ends up on another drug to handle that symptom. And it's all stemming from the fact he was put on this first drug to begin with. Right. Which is all based on symptoms. The whole thing, the whole approach is based on handling symptoms because you don't have to talk to a doctor for too long to get the concept that they're treating your symptoms. The doctor is treating you based on the drug salesman who comes and visits him and says, for this, for this illness with these symptoms, you're going to give this drug because this is the new thing we're selling. They don't think in terms of what's the, what the cause is. That's something that's absent in Orthodox medical teaching. What, what is the cause? Right. So they don't, they don't, they don't think, but that's more, that's much more of an Eastern viewpoint is to try to find what the cause is and correct the cause. But there's an old saying that in medicine, you don't want to cure the patient and you don't want to kill the patient because if you do either one, you've lost a customer. Yep. I love that you talked about the, the Orthodox or the allopathic approach versus the Eastern medicine approach and how one focuses on symptom management and one focuses on root cause medicine, mm-hmm. as we call it. Yeah. Symptoms are your body crying out for help, that there's an imbalance of some kind going on and it needs help. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it is nutritional deficiencies. Sometimes it's stored trauma. Sometimes it's a truly physiological effect due from a lack of exercise, a lack of movement, a lack of sunshine. You know, there's this whole plethora of things that can be a root cause, you and I focus a lot on, I mean, we obviously have a holistic approach, but we, we really love food and then, and the nutrients that come from food and the role that that plays in health. So, you know, what are some of the things that many medications tend to deplete and deplete very quickly? And also can food replace those nutrients or do we have to go above and beyond if we're going to be on a medication for a long period of time? That's a very good question. So on the, the top of the hit parade, folic acid and B12 are depleted by many medications. And vitamin B1 and magnesium are also depleted by many medications. And when we look at throughout, we, when we just go on a broad spectrum across the country and we look at on people's tests, especially people who are being treated allopathically with, with medicine, what are the most common deficiencies they come up with? Or well, wouldn't you know it? It's folic acid, B12, vitamin B1, B-complex, and magnesium. The most common deficiencies. Now, somebody could argue that with magnesium and B1, it could be due to alcohol and sugar consumption because alcohol and sugar are definitely um, widely used and they can deplete those nutrients. But it's also when you look at the pharmacology, like if you open up the, when you get your medication, if you open up the box and you find that piece of paper with a really small type and you start looking in there, you're going to see that it will deplete all these nutrients. Yeah. And yeah, so that those are the top ones, I would say. And those are your energy producers and your relaxing mineral. So, you know, yeah. your B vitamins are what give you energy. Your magnesium helps us relax and sleep and keep calm. And so, you know, a lot of times, and I, you know, I know we both see this, that people who have been on, you know, who've been chronically ill and are on these medications, they really do struggle with energy and sleep and muscle cramps and all of these Mm -hmm. things. 
you're being very kind right now because if we really want to push the limit vitamin b1 the deficiency signs of b1 are berry berry which is a neurological illness and then you if you go further with b1 deficiencies you start to get hallucinations you get b1 is also called the moral vitamin if you look it up in the old books because what they noticed was that people who were low in b1 turned out to do very criminal and immoral things so you want to want to push it you can, as far as as far as the person hallucinating or being nearly hallucinating and then how how do the people around him know what's going on they know he all they know is he's taken this medication and now he's acting very strange he's looking for things that aren't there and then there's the old joke um there's the old joke like as you get older you need a geriatric gps it not only tells you where you're going, but it tells you why you were going there and what you're supposed to do when you get there. So there is that aspect of it, but but really, so much of this is drug induced. And when you're looking at magnesium, you know, ma magnesium is the body's natural channel blocker. We've we've heard of drugs that are channel blockers. That's what a channel blocking drug does is it 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 sort of blocks calcium to try to make magnesium more dominant. To as so as to relax your blood vessels so that your blood pressure comes down. But why don't rather than doing that, which is you know, you're going around the bend to do this, why don't we analyze the person's magnesium levels and balance their magnesium with calcium rather than putting them up on a drug that's going to artificially try to block the calcium so that it balances better with magnesium? It's a little bit too much effort going in the wrong direction. It's the, it's it's not a, a good way to think. It, it it's working against our physiology instead of with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I always find this absolutely fascinating because the nutrient depletion. You know, and I think about hallucinations. And my in my family, we have a I have a history of schizophrenia. You know, it runs pretty strongly in my family history. Like one of the things that we know is gluten is like, you know, you remove gluten from a schizophrenic's diet and they have a hundred percent remission. Right. And it's like, okay, so is that, you know, obviously the gluten is impacting the nervous system, but also is it because they're finally able to absorb nutrients and they're able to get that B1 and mm -hmm. all of those things. That's a, that's a very good, that's a very good point. Again, it goes to that root cause medicine. Are there other depletions that are very common that can lead to these other some because I think about hallucinations and all the medications and all the ways they try to manage that, which is like, again, it's this domino effect of all these medications deplete different things. Some of them deplete phosphorus and glutathione and all of these things, which impact our bone health and impact our immune system. And so I would love for us to let's hit it hard. Let's let's let people know what they can really experience if they do neglect this aspect of side effects of medication. The best book for, for your listeners to hunt down would be any, actually any book by Carl Pfeiffer. Carl Pfeiffer was the founder of the Brain Biocenter in Princeton, New Jersey. And he did tremendous research into the use of niacin in helping schizophrenics. And ultimately what he found out is that schizophrenics who responded to niacin and responded to mega doses of vitamin C were copper toxic. Copper toxicity is a whole thing. We could do a whole show on copper toxicity and what the effects of it are, because when you have really high copper, it causes numerous effects physiologically, um, psychologically. And 
it's an environmental illness, essentially. Right. Most people who are copper toxic have acquired the copper from their environment. The easiest way to understand it is someone who lives in an old brownstone building. They have copper plumbing, which gets old and it starts to leach copper into the water. And then years of living there, eventually your tissue copper levels elevate. As the copper goes up, it causes a zinc deficiency. It causes vitamin C deficiency. It causes various um, other vitamins to drop. And then the person starts to get schizophrenic. That's so crazy. And for those who may who do not know you and have maybe haven't heard our previous episodes, we, we are both big fans of hair mineral analysis. Yes, that's true. So people might be thinking, oh, my gosh, like, that's me. How would I know that you mm -hmm. want to make sure that the doctor who runs the test is literate and trained in it? Because it's not something you can just a doctor can just Google and they don't learn it in school. It's something in addition to. No. And the better labs will give the doctor a good interpretation so that they can also read to make sure they're not mis misinterpreting something. But he has to order the test with the interpretation. Otherwise, it just doesn't come with it. Right. The better labs are analytical research labs. Probably the best lab is Trace Elements Incorporated. And there's also Doctor's Data, which has been doing hair testing for many years. That's the one I'm familiar with is Doctor Data. Doctor's yeah. Data is the one that um, yep. I, I had done. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just so crazy to think that something as simple as piping you know, could be the reason that maybe schizophrenia runs in a family because everybody grows up in the same house. Yeah. Lived in the family. And then the other aspect of this too is barbiturates. Any drug which has um, a barbiturate effect or a tranquilizing effect that particularly inhibits mm. the liver. These drugs cause copper toxicity because how one develops copper toxicity is from not excreting enough bile. The reason bile has a, um, a a component which is copper which is its natural component and it this is what causes the bile to have a greenish appearance it's the copper in the in the bile and if you do something if you take a drug that inhibits your ability to release bile the copper starts to build up in your liver and then you also become now imagine you got a person living in a building with old copper plumbing and he's on all these barbiturates or he's on these tranquilizers his copper is going to go through the roof. And when you have high copper, you also get various symptoms of vitamin C deficiency because copper oxidizes vitamin C. So a person with copper um, toxicity, he can probably tolerate 10 times more vitamin C before he might get any loose stool or any of the typical side effects of excess C, which really are loose stool for the most part. He'll be able to tolerate huge amounts. So going down this path, what, are, like when I think of vitamin C deficiency, I think of scurvy, but yes. what are some other symptoms of vitamin C deficiency that people could can think about? Cause I mean, you know, through the pandemic and all that vitamin C and zinc were pushed pretty hard, but I think that again, like we know we need it. We know we can get it from food, but how would we know if like we're experiencing this, what would be some symptoms for us to look out for? The major one that people should recognize are bleeding gums mm. because because copper is involved in, um, I'm sorry, vitamin C is involved with collagen formation and supporting collagen. So bleeding gums starting to bruise easily would be another to look for. But then as the, as the, as copper builds up, you oxidize more vitamin C. So then it becomes a question as is this person vitamin C deficiency or copper toxic? 
constipation, believe it or not, is another. Most people don't know that vitamin C is the major constituent in your digestive fluids. When you take your digestive fluids and you analyze them, the most abundant nutrient in your digestive fluids is vitamin C. I did not know that. And, you know, I think about how many people struggle that with that, especially, you know, I work with a lot of chronic illness and a lot of Hashis, right? And a lot of thyroid disorders and things like that. That's a constipation is a major symptom of those. But it's, I also have to wonder, is it a, is there something else deeper going on, right? And how simple there's, it is. There's two aspects mm-hmm. you a practitioner needs to look at. You have to look at, first of all, and this is the first thing they should look at, is something blocking the process. So if you're looking at thyroid and this person has low body temperatures, let's say, well, the first thing, well, if he has low body temperatures, you know he has functionally low thyroid. So the next thing you'd want to do is you do a series of blood work. You look to see if his fasting insulin is elevated because that's going to suppress his thyroid. You look at his leptin levels. You look at his reverse T3. You look at all these things to see if anything's malfunctioning. If you find things are malfunctioning, you want to say what could be blocking them that is outside, more outside of his realm coming in that's blocking it. Now, copper is a major one. Copper blocks the conversion of T4 to T3, and it also inhibits the sensitivity of your thyroid receptors to T3. So there's a problem. Mercury, very similar. Mercury has a very similar effect on thyroid to copper. So those are external things. But then you could also have some internal problems like cortisol. Excess cortisol blocks thyroid activity. And God knows how many chemicals there are in our our environment which do the same thing with thyroid that interfere. Uh, Fluoride, for instance, we know that fluoride from toothpaste, that immediately stores in your thyroid gland and blocks its function. So a doctor doesn't just want to look at, well, he's got a thyroid problem. What could he be deficient in that's causing his thyroid to lag? But what else does he encounter that's actually coming in and acting as some kind of a xenobiotic to block the thyroid function? Yeah, it's such a different approach, even from from like, like it, it, I feel like that is like going deeper than like most that I've heard talk about root cause medicine. Like you're really going in and really taking this whole lifestyle analysis. You know, where do you live? What do you use on your body? What do you take into your body? What kind of cigars do you smoke? Oh, okay. Let's talk about that. Uh, the average Cuban cigar is probably 10 times higher in lithium than cigars from Ecuador um, Nicaragua, the Dominican Republic. Lithium is an incredible suppressant to thyroid activity. Incredible. So you get somebody who's smoking Cuban Cuban cigars for their whole lifetime, you're going to start and you start checking their thyroid function, you're going to see it's really depleted. And no one would necessarily think of these things, you see. But as you were just saying about lifestyle, well, there you go. You know, so what is the pr- difference between a person smoking Cuban cigars and somebody who's smoking cigars from Nicaragua is going to be his thyroid function? It's so interesting, you know, how many different facets and just different things that impact the the function, the the way our bodies can function optimally, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it kind of, and I feel like 
that's why like going back to the basics of just clean water, clean food, you know, taking in as few outside foreign chemicals and things, you know, cause I mean, even smoking cigars, the heat, the burning, the smoke, you know, there's like, there's all these different layers. Right. And it's like, I feel it can be a little bit overwhelming for people. So one of the things that we, we work on uh, in the integrative medicine approach is how can we support the body, the body in the best that we can. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if people are let's say that they're in the middle of an autoimmune flare, right? And, or that they've, I can think of some people who had really bad, like lupus that attacked their internal organs and they've been on these medications or trying to get off of them, right? But they're on them for two, three, four, five years. So they're on these medications. If they get off of them, they start ballooning and having edema and, you know, their their kidney function declines and all this stuff, right? So they feel stuck, what are some things that people can do to help support their functions through this process to hopefully get to a point where their body is able to balance itself out? Well, they want to get a series of tests done okay, so that they know you, they know, and you can isolate exactly what's going on because if you don't have the tests, you're going to have surprises and the surprises end up being a big question mark. What is this? What's happening? Right. So you take a person person comes in, they've got, let's say, this autoimmune profile, you put them on different nutrients. Now, you're trying to support or balance them. You don't know, as an example, that they're mercury or toxic, mercury toxic, copper toxic, something like this. You don't know this. It just happens to be a coincidence that the nutrients you give them start binding toxic metals and allowing them to start excreting the metals. There are all types of various symptoms that happen when a person excretes metals, especially if he's not doing it that efficiently. Mm-hmm. One of the major things, he can start getting migraines and headaches. He can get a metallic taste in his mouth or metal taste on his skin or a metal taste or smell in his poop. He can start breaking out in rashes. So this person goes on this program, and now he has these side Now he's Now he's saying these are side effects. Well, if you want to call it a side effect, you can call it a side effect. But the person inadvertently is starting to detox metals he didn't know he had. Now, had the person gotten testing and knew those metals were there, it would be a different story. Right. Because you would know know, possibly you may start detoxing these metals or better yet, those metals are the maybe the one of the first things we need to go after to get out of your system to correct because they're causing the autoimmune problem. Mm -hmm. So getting a series of tests, getting yourself tested for things like candida. Yeah. Another thing most people don't know, wouldn't know if they had or not, but yet candida can interact with all these nutrients. You, you put a person on B-complex and vitamin D and coenzyme Q10, all these things that sound good, those nutrients flare candida up like crazy. So the person starts taking these nutrients and now he's getting rectal itching. As he's starting to have all this gas and bloating. He's getting brain fog. He's getting a flare-up of candida from the nutrients, but he doesn't know that, you see? So the the smartest thing a person could do would be to get a battery of tests, pretty wide range in areas. This way, the doctor can look at them. He can see what's wrong. He can explain to the patient, well, these are the things you have wrong. They, they can relate to each other and overlap in terms of some of your symptoms. And this may be the best way for us to approach handling it. We want to handle this in a, in a 
sequential fashion where we're going to go after this problem first and then that problem. And you want to do it sequential because you don't want to do something that's going to trip the other problem. Right. You know, it's so funny because, you know, I work with a, a wide range of uh, practitioners all over the country and I, I see the ones who work sequentially and then I see the ones who feel like they they kind of just want to punch everything in the face is what I call it, right? They just like hit really, really hard and want to do everything all at once. And what is interesting is I work with the patients, right? Mm-hmm. And what I see is they just want to feel better. So they tend to like the doctors that just want to give throw everything at them because they just want to feel better. But all, in that process, they feel worse and then they really have a hard time sticking with it versus the ones who work sequentially, but they also feel like it's going to take me so long to get better. And what I liked, how I like to approach it is like, well, you know, you have to think about untangling like a bunch, like you, let's say you open your jewelry box and a bunch of necklaces fly out and they're, they're all tangled, right? Oh, that's, that's a good analogy. Yeah. You have to slowly peel them apart and sometimes things retangle and then all of a sudden it falls apart. Right. It's not like peeling back the layers of an onion or anything like that. It's it's not that clean. And so it's like when we work sequentially, it's kind of like a snowball effect. It seems a little bit slow at first, but as you work through it, because you're working through one problem at a time, the body, you start removing things that are inhibiting the healing process. Mm -hmm. You're removing the things that have been blocking the body from functioning optimally. So then healing starts happening much more quickly. I think a lot of people think that, you know, we're so used to take a course of antibiotics for 10 days and start feeling better within 24 hours that anything that takes six months, nine months, a year, 18 months feels like a really long time. But in the process, like really in the scheme of things, you've been sick for years. Like if you've been sick, you know, for 10, 15, 20, I've known people who've been sick for 30, 40 years, you know, and I'm like, you know, you're not going to feel bad the entire time, but it's going to take like, you've been sick for so your body has a lot of healing to do. It's not an overnight microwave process. Mm -hmm. Do you find that that's true in your practice as a doctor and a a nutritionist? Well, basically the person doesn't have a choice (laughs) because it's not going to work. You see, it's true. (laughs) They have, they have the choice of being on drugs the rest of their lives, feeling, feeling like a wooden barrel, and having all their symptoms just covered up. Or they have the choice of going to the doctor who's trying to punch everything at once. And that's where I get a lot of my patients from, are those doctors, because those patients can't stay on those programs. They have too many crazy reactions. There's too many questions, mm-hmm. and it's not working. So they eventually end up finding a doctor um, who you could say specializes in handling things sequentially. That's what I'm known for is handling things sequentially, but also understanding what the right sequence is. And that's a key. But they don't have a choice. I would say ultimately, really, it sounds funny, but they don't have a choice because it's not going to work. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like taking the long way around. Yeah. You know, because like you feel like it's going to happen faster because you're tackling everything at once, but actually it draws out the process because it's unsustainable and it's uncomfortable. Yes. That's also very expensive. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because I know people are moving out of the allopathic model and they're wanting to, to, to t- tiptoe into integrative medicine and it's not insurance-based and it's cash pay, right? You really do. You don't want to be throwing spaghetti at a wall. You want to test and not guess. 
especially if you're dealing with something chronic and long-term and really uncomfortable and just you're not getting answers. But the thought of spending anywhere from, oh gosh, I don't know, 500 to 1500 on tests and things like that is really intimidating. But if you think about all the specialists you've gone to, all the tests that you've done, the $400, $500 a month in medications that you're taking, it pays for itself within a year. Right. But just that initial, like, it feels um, I, a lot of people describe it as just kind of like this overwhelming, almost like a sucker punch. Like it feels unattainable to, to spend that money. But I'm like, think about all the money you've spent over the last year on your specialists and your medications and, you know, all, you know, your, pre, your insurance premiums that are high because you have this, these symptoms going on. It's way more than it would be to take those tests. Doesn't, it doesn't impact a lot of people because their insurance pays for a lot of the tests and the medications. So it doesn't hit them quite the same way. So then they're not really looking at it as energy because it's all energy, really, if you want to mm -hmm. look at it that way. the You going and doing tests, you going and taking medication, it's all your energy that you're putting out there. Yeah. So maybe if they think about it as energy and your attention units being on all these things, that might be a little bit different than financial, depending on their insurance. But the bottom line is it doesn't work. Like I have to keep going back to that. It's not going to work. Right. It's it's illegal in certain states. It's illegal to say you can cure a disease, certain diseases. You right. can't say you can cure them because the medical profession hasn't come up with a, a quote-unquote cure. So any doctor who says that he can cure your disease in certain states, is um, he's subject to be put in jail. Right. So the medical, so going back to the, as you're saying, the medical model, they're not expecting to cure something. Right. What they're, they're looking for, and it goes back to the, the bad joke I made earlier, they're going back to the fact that you don't want to kill the patient. You don't want to cure the patient. You want to keep him as a customer of the medication he's on to control his symptoms. It's about symptom control. Right. And, you know, us in the integrative world, we always talk about how we work ourselves out of a job. Unfortunately, there are so many sick people. That's not true. But what we do is patients make this upfront investment with us and with the testing and the, their cost for care goes down Yes, and they reach a point where they're, they feel great. And it's just maintenance, yes. right? They might need, you know, they might get sick and want like an IV or they might have a little bit of a flare up and need a little extra support for a, a you know, a short time, but they learn to recognize the symptoms. They know what to do. Versus the other model where it starts out with small co-pays and very little, but as you go on and get sicker, actually your cost increases over time. Yes, you know, I true. know people that are, that are even with insurance taking, spending three, $400 a month on medication and they're spending hundreds of dollars a year on their annual MRI or CAT scan or, you know, whatever. And it's, and then their insurance premium is more. And so I see kind of that side of it. And it's like, which path do you want to go? Do you want to go to the path that gets more expensive and takes more energy and sucks the life out of you? Or do you want to take the time and investment into actually getting and getting and feeling healthy so that you can live the life that you want to live? They have to keep in mind, medications don't cure their problem. Med yeah. There's there's no medication that does that. What med medications alter pathways in the body to try to cover up a symptom that's taking place. The medication doesn't cure anything because the medication isn't natural to the body. It's not innate to the body. There's no such thing as someone with a Prozac deficiency. Right. 
It doesn't exist. Now, someone could have a deficiency of 5-HTP, which then could cause their neurotransmitters to drop. Well, that's That could be, but it's not a deficiency of the drug because the drug is not part of the body's biochemistry. And the drug isn't providing 5-HTP. No, interestingly enough. It's not providing what is missing or not being produced or not being absorbed or doesn't have the enzymes to convert or whatever it is that the body needs. It's not doing that. It's just like it's altering pathways. Well, if, if people really understood how anti how SSRIs work, they'd probably freak out. But it would explain why you have these commercials for the SSRIs, which say it can make your depression worse. You can get suicidal thoughts because SSRIs don't really raise your serotonin. What they do is they try to, they're called serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So what they're actually doing is they're blocking your the reuptake of serotonin through the blood brain barrier so that you're creating a deficiency in a sense of serotonin in your brain so that your serotonin receptor sites become much more acute. Now, to me, I would rather just go get my serotonin tested. Oh, well, then I'll take 5-HTP and raise my serotonin. Again, as you, as you coined earlier, it's like going around this, this circle or this back doorway of doing something. And it's great, but that's what, that's how they work. Yeah. So our point is that medications don't work. You have to get to the root cause and to get to the root cause, you have to test and you need to go to a doctor who's willing to work sequentially with you. And there, everybody has a different approach to that. Most naturopathic doctors who've been trained at a naturopathic medical school will have a very similar approach versus somebody who's not a trained naturopathic medical doctor. If somebody is hearing this for the first time and they want to start down this path, where do you recommend that they begin? Well, they probably want to find a functional medical doctor in their area or a clinical, a certified clinical nutritionist. They can go online and visit the website of the IAACN to find a certified clinical nutritionist. They can do Google searches for functional medical doctors in their area. Mm-hmm. And then you want to, and, but, but, you know, that's good. But then you also want to ask around and try to get a referral from people and see, because there are some, some doctors you can encounter just having like incredible bedside manners that would just, you'll leave your car in the parking lot and run, you know, run. And then there are other other guys who are pretty good. They can they can communicate and they can listen. Listening is very important for the doctor to listen, and just not assume that he's just going to put this person on a program he gives everybody. You know, so I would I would think you'd want to do that. You want to look at their ratings and whatnot, but you also have to remember when you look at ratings for health practitioners online, that probably for every one person that writes a good review, there's 20 that never wrote a review because they're late, you know, they're either lazy or they're done with it. They're feeling perfect now. So, you know, that's fine. He did a great job. I'm, you know, I'm off mountain climbing or something. So you have to keep that in mind too. And then also some of the reviews people write on, on practitioners, if you knew what the real story was, how they owed that doctor $20,000, never paid him. 
or they or they were taking the money they were going to use to pay the doctor. Instead, they went to Hawaii on a vacation. That's an actual true story of chiropractor here. I know he was giving this this family this incredible discount because they went there crying. They all they really needed his help and they all had these problems. He gave them this incredible discount. And um, then one one day they said, well, we're not going to be here for the next month. And the receptionist said, why? We know what's happening. We're going on vacation for Hawaii to Hawaii for a month. So, but anyway, yes, that's what they should do. They should, you know, go on the internet, find a practitioner, try to get some idea from people who've seen him, you know, how he is. That would be the first step. Awesome. And then I would like to add just being open to change. And that change feels difficult because it takes more energy in the beginning, but change the, the changing of your diet and the changing of your lifestyle and changing toothpaste and lotion and things like that. You don't have to do it all at once, but these incremental changes have such a huge impact and change is, it it's not difficult or it's not hard, but it's not difficult, but it's hard, Right because it requires changing your habits. It requires changing the way you've been doing things, but it's only hard for maybe about three weeks and then it starts getting easier. So that's just my little health coach tip is like, you know, as you're getting counseling guidance from an integrative practitioner, that change requires a little bit of mental energy. It doesn't require more time, but it just requires more mental energy just because we're changing our habits, but it's only hard for about three weeks and then it starts getting easier. But the person has to remember, too, that if you don't change something, you're not going to correct something. And mm-hmm. whatever they have been doing all this time has led them to where they are. So obviously, continuing on the path that they're on is not the route out because it was the route to where they are now. So there's if there's not going to be a change, there's not going to be a correction of what's been going on. Yeah, you have to go into it ready to do what it takes to not only get healthy, but to understand that to stay healthy, you can't go back to what you were doing before. This isn't a temporary diet that's going to like, you know, you're going to lose 15 pounds and then you can magically eat whatever you want again. That's not, that's, that never works to begin with. The people I feel bad for though, are the people who have mold in their house, oh. who have a toxic, toxic building or sick building syndrome. Because now in those people, when you start talking about change for them, you may be talking about changing your house, your living status. You may be talking about gutting the house, mm-hmm. which puts them in a, in a hotel or motel or something, probably throwing away most of your clothes unless you, you do a good job of getting the mold out. So there's one. There's a situation that I don't envy. That's a rough one. Yeah. You know, we can let's talk about that a little bit because. Mold toxicity is, it's a bear. It's a, it's a rough one. And a lot of times when it's due to, especially your home and you know, your furniture and your books and (laughs) your clothes, and you just don't, the, the, what it takes to get healthy is, is quite an uphill battle. And it's just, I, what I do find though, is those who are struggling with that, they're willing to do whatever it takes. Oh yeah. And it, I feel like almost mold feels like doable because it's something that you can find, you can test for, yes. you, you can control. Like, yes, it's like a restart or a refresh. Like you kind of have to throw out the old and start with the new. And sometimes that can be exciting. 
for people, especially if they've been really sick. But I feel like there's always that first mental freak out that happens. But I think mold is one of those that is really, okay, that's doable. And then I was thinking about like copper pipes, right? Like, yes, that, that's a, that's a big pill to swallow, but that's almost, that's doable too. Once you know Mm -hmm. what it is, right. Or like mercury, you can get your fillings removed and replaced. You can change out your toothpaste with the, you know, from fluoride to nanohydroxypate. Right. But it's like getting to the point where you just, you need to know what you don't know so that you can fix it. Yes. That's a good way to look at it. And it's, it's, once you get through the initial freak out and kind of like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. It's empowering. Mm-hmm. Right. And the functional medicine approach or the integrated medicine approach is we really do want you empowered to own your health and to find out what you need to know that you don't know so that you can move forward. Because we very want true. you feeling good. There's a very good source for mold, um, Michael Rubino. Mm-hmm. You can find him on Instagram. He wrote a book called The Mold Medic. It's a good I, book. I happen to know he's worked with a lot of Hollywood celebrities and with mold, their mold issues. So he's, he gets good results. Yeah. Is there anything that you would like to leave our listeners with before we wrap up? And investi- investigate your medications and look to see what the side effects are. It's one of the first things that I do with my patients when they start telling me they have a side effect or something. I find out if they've gone on a new medication and then we look up the side effects. 50% of the time, the symptoms they're having are from a new medication. So crazy. Um, And then the one thing I do want to let people know is you can find out just on a quick Google search, you can put in the name of your medication and what nutrients does it deplete and get a full list. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know, and I feel like knowledge is power. I do feel like if you're really struggling with a lot of symptoms, trying to figure it out yourself takes a really long time. It is worth investing in somebody who can guide you and guide you strategically and correctly versus trying to figure it all out yourself because that takes a really long time. And sometimes yeah. you never fully get the full picture. True. So um, I know like when I was first on this journey, I didn't, I didn't really know what I didn't know, but I just knew that I was researching and learning and making changes on stuff that I learned. And it took like seven years and it's like, it doesn't, it shouldn't take that long. We can do some testing and really get to a root. And in just a few months, you take those seven to 10 years of learning and shorten it down to, you know, a year, year and mm-hmm. a half. And then you are like hitting the ground running and living your life to the, to the max, to the fullest. So one of the things we should mention before we end off, because it's one of the more common problems are statin drugs. Okay. Statin drugs, unfortunately, cause a deficiency of coenzyme Q10. Yep. And um, when you have a deficiency of coenzyme Q10, you could have a heart attack or you have you have severe muscle problems like muscle lethargy, muscle cramps, muscle pain, lack of oxygen going to your muscles. And if it happens to occur in your heart, you can have a heart attack from low-kill CoQ10. And, of course, the, the comedic thing is most of these people who are taking statin drugs are doing it because they're trying to avoid having a heart attack. The pill causes the problem. No. And in our American diet where we don't really eat organ meat or things like that, getting CoQ10 is actually quite difficult. So we're normally pretty deficient in it to begin with. Yes. The other thing that statins do is they raise insulin levels. So then you're becoming type two diabetic, even if you're eating well and exercising. 
So there's just this whole plethora of side effects. You're back to the heart attack. You're back to the heart attack again. Right. You know, so there's much more efficient ways to manage your cholesterol beyond statins in a way that doesn't cause more problems. Right. The person can find out their blood type. If they follow the book, eat right for their blood type, they'll be amazed at things that will improve without them having to take drugs. And then there's always always the golden rule, eat organic, non-GMO. Yep. Avoid GMO foods, try to eat mostly organic, and do things like find your blood type following the diet, things people can do on their own. Investigate, as you were saying before, the deficiencies your drugs are causing. There's a lot they can do on their own. And it it could it can make major major inroads. Yeah, you know I always love when um, the simple I quote air quote simple cases come to me where it's really just really simple tweaks in their health just skyrockets. That's my right. favorite. You know, before yes. there's like super chronic and super sick. No matter what, small changes will have a huge impact on your quality of life. Might not resolve mm-hmm. everything, but the more that you can do and empower yourself, for one, you'll know what questions to ask to find a practitioner that you, that you jive with, that you feel like can really Mm -hmm. help you when that trust is essential. But then also you're, you're in control of your health at that point. And you're, you're able to even take what your doctor tells you. And if you have questions, you can research it yourself and make sure that you feel comfortable with those recommendations. And if you don't, you can go back and have a dialogue. Right. And I feel like that's that's just so so important in the doctor patient model is that especially integrative medicine, they want you to be part of the process. We want you to be part of the process. We don't want to be doing it all for you. We can't do it all for you. No. It goes back to responsibility in person. The person has to exercise responsibility for their condition. Yeah. There's no more outsourcing. No, no, not in the real world. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining You're me welcome. today. I'm I just love having you back and I'm so glad we we dove deeper into this topic and I can't wait to have you back again. Absolutely. I'm ready whenever you are. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. If you found this episode helpful, would you do me a favor and help others find it by leaving a review, sharing a screenshot on social media or sharing the link with a friend? By you sharing what you've learned, others are able to find this podcast and join our community. Be sure to check out my website, www.roadtolivingwhole.com for over 160 delicious recipes, a variety of meal plans, and a blog packed full of even more healthy living tips. If you'd like to learn more about how to work with me as your coach, you can schedule a free consult through www roadtolivingwhole.com backslash health dash coaching backslash until next time friend bye